Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Well, it's an honor to be speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your voice with the Spectrum community. My pleasure. In addition to your work as an administrator at Andrews University, Berman University in Canada, Newbold College, as well as the British Union and the General Conference, you're a scholar of Milton. So I thought it would be interesting to begin our conversation with a sort of epigraph from his 1644 work <laughs> of education. Are you okay with a one sentence of Milton today? Absolutely. Please do. Great. But here's the main skill and groundwork will be to temper them such lectures and explanations upon every opportunity as may lead and draw them in willing obedience, inflamed with the study of learning and the admiration of virtue, stirred up with high hopes of living to be brave men and worthy patriots, dear to God and famous to all ages. I'm curious, what attracted you to Milton? Uh, I, I think I was attracted to Milton because uh, my f first degree was theology and then uh, English literature. And uh, that period of uh, English literature, there's really a strong connection between literature and a faith. And um, Milton is a great example of someone who, who brings those two worlds together. And so I was really interested in, in, in how he does that and um, what that means to the way we interpret things. Well, that's great. I uh, am a graduate of Andrews University where I studied in the religion department and the English literature department. So I appreciate uh, bringing those two together. Um, I'm wanting to kind of cover um, your perspectives on Andrews University and, of course, kind of the larger structure of Adventist education, given your background. But I'd love to just start at the sort of beginning. Where did you uh, grow up? Grew up in England and um, really spent still just about the majority of my life in England uh, and did, studied here for at Andrews for my master's degree, um, Washington, D.C. So my education was split between, the higher education was split between the two, um, but worked in England for a number of years before going to Canada and then U.S. What Was there a point where you um, thought that you would like to spend your life in education? Well, you know, I had the uh, advantage or disadvantage, whichever way you look at it, of having <laughs> two parents who are educators and Adventist educators. And so I actually got a vision for that very, very early on. I, I saw the passion for what they did. Um, I liked what that looked like. And uh, so really, even from a young child, I, I thought, you know, I want to be in education. And that pretty much stayed with me uh, from then on, really. You know, um, Adventist education faces a lot of challenges these days, um, but, you know, every uh, graduation, we're reminded of, of 
some of the reasons why we do it. And obviously we celebrate success at that moment. And I'm just curious um, in your various roles that you've held, um, is there a kind of a through line, something that you've uh, noticed about yourself, uh, something that drives your dedication to education? Yes. You know, I, I think it's, um, I, I think I, t- there is not education never happens in a vacuum. Uh, there's always a frame through which you see what you're learning. And uh, to me, uh, Adventist education um, actually deepens the whole understanding of what education is and does. Um, it's, it's, it's more than just an add-on. It's actually a whole way of thinking and being. And I really believe that is a transformational aspect of, of what we do in education. I think uh, education is really at the heart of who Adventists are. I think it has been from the beginning, and I think it it still is. Um, the churches are stronger for Adventist education, and um, I, I think that we, we risk something very important uh, when we minimize that or see it as just an add-on. Definitely. You know, it was actually a professor there at Andrews who um, uh, told me something that I've uh, remembered and I've seen uh, proven. And he was actually talking about um, folks of other faiths who talk about diversity, often in the mainline churches. So Episcopalian, Methodist, um, you know, they have. Um, perhaps a, a more kind of open, affirming um, perspective on diversity. But when you um, attend their meetings, go to their churches, and um, they're less diverse than uh, Adventists are. And obviously at Andrews, which always ranks in the top of uh, U.S. Uh, diversity rankings, it's pretty clear um, Adventists uh, really do embody a kind of a global perspective. And I'm just curious, um, you know, perhaps that connects with what you said about um, loyalty to Adventist education. It really brings us together. Um, I'm just curious how you see um, diversity um, as a important part of uh, Adventist education and, and specifically there on your campus. Right. No, I, I mean, we... Diversity is basically just a fact. We are a very diverse community. We're at a very diverse church. But the question is, how do you uh, manage inclusion once you have that diversity? And I think that is what ha- can happen, especially when you're living together, you're working together, you're studying together. Uh, you are uh, Every day you're having conversations uh, with individuals who are in many ways different from you. So... Uh, that experience, I think, opens your mind, opens your understanding, um, and enriches your whole total experience. I, I, so I think that that is a, a huge strength of, of who we are, both at Andrews and, and in the wider Adventist uh, education system. That's great. Um, you know, maybe we can get into specifics there, Um it's uh, pretty clear that the Adventist church is really wrestling with identity as it continues to grow. And that's connected to relationships of, of power and access. Um, 
Could you talk a little bit about um, how a gay or lesbian student, uh, how a woman who feels the call of God to be a pastor or a student who's grown up feeling um, discriminated against because of the color of their skin or their um, physical disability should feel on an Adventist campus? I think a, an Adventist campus should be a great equalizer. Um, I think it, we, we have to start from the perspective, um, which is our own doctrine, um, that we are all created um, in the image of God. Uh, there's that, that puts us all on an equal playing field. We're all the same, um, all of the same value. And I think um, we have to be a place where everyone uh, feels they have value. Um, that doesn't mean that, that once someone leaves our environment, that it is always going to be that way. So I think for us, let's take women in ministry, for example. Um, our seminary has many women studying for the ministry. I hope that they... Uh, feel uh, valued. Our environment here says to you, you know, you are important, you're important to the church, you're important to ministry. Um, the trouble is we can't live totally in a vacuum, so uh, what is beyond us also impacts impacts our campus. Um, maybe ideas that people have, but also hopes and dreams for what could be uh, are impacted in, in a world that is beyond just us. Let's... Um jump to um, a question about um, kind of the future of Adventist education. Um, I had a conversation with Richard Osborne um, for Spectrum's Adventist Voices podcast, and he talked about some of the larger um, pressures on the historic system, at least in the, in the North American division, where you have um, – um, academies feeding union schools and then um, students sort of coming up through that system being supported by their parents or supported by the conferences that pay their parents to teach or to pastor etc and um there are some big pressures on pricing, and um, I'm just curious how you see the future of this system. Do you see it holding, or what needs to change to to strengthen it? No, it's, it's really difficult because I think you've got some factors that are um, related to just what's happening with education in North America, particularly when it comes to higher education. Um, and then you've got factors that are happening within the church. Um and in some ways, you could say they're set up for a perfect storm. Um, and so, you know, we can't bury our heads in the sand. I mean, the reality is that within the church um, in North America, you have maybe two factors, uh, possibly more, but the two that I would focus on are, are um, the affordability of Adventist education within an environment where uh, we have members who just you know, find that just impossible, impossible to meet the bills um, on one side. And then you have on the other side, uh, the feeling that against institutions of the church and mm. 
education can sometimes fit into that. Um, what I said right at the very beginning about, about, to me, the critical nature of Adventist education to, to who we are as a denomination, um, I, I really believe that. And I think that that message still needs to be told and retold and retold from the pulpit on down. Um, you cannot just separate separate it out. Just say, well, the education part is optional. I, I, I don't believe that. But I think the more critical thing is that we are part of a of a of North American environment right now, a U.S. environment, where most institutions are struggling and suffering. Um, there are drops off in enrollment in in multiple places as there's pressure to go cheaper, um, use community colleges, um, not go to higher ed at all. Uh, all of those things that, that are kind of pushing in an opposite direction to the traditional higher education environment. Um, and we can't close our eyes to that. I mean, it, it, we'd be foolish to think that, well, we'll just carry on the way we always have carried on and everything will be all right. I, I'm not sure that's true. Um, I, I don't think that means changing the core values of who we are and why we are here and what we want to do. I think that that stays the same. But we do have to uh, recognize that we have to be more flexible, uh, more able to look at you know, what the needs are and be responsive to those in, in sometimes creative ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've, we've got to uh, look, look forward and not backwards in the way we, we see things happening. Um, actually, last night I, I heard a, a, a talk by someone we got a a kind of conference on right now on campus and uh, the person who was speaking um, was talking about the, the balance between the need, you know, the sometimes conservatives hold on and uh, the progressives move forward. And that actually somewhere between those two worlds of holding on to the important things, but not being afraid to move into the future with new things. And basically that's where we have to be. Um, and that's that is a that is that is a challenge to us. Um, so on that idea of of sort of holding on and pushing forward, um, there's um, rarely a, a kind of thin, perfect line. There's kind of an ocean of of questions. And I'm curious if you um, could um, form the perfect board for an institution and give them um, really helpful questions to be asking, what would those be? I think number one would be what are the values? Um, what are the, what are those core elements that are the lighthouse by which we're going to, you know, keep focusing on, you know, what are those blinking lights that are going to say, uh, this is giving direction. Um, and they need to be a small number, I think, of, of things, but it needs to be really, really clear. Um, once you've got that, I think the, the next question is, um, uh, what, what do we need to do to actually be relevant and meaningful uh, for today's students uh, and for today's church uh, within the context of those core things, core unchangeable um, values. 
I mean, I know that seems very kind of abstract in general, but I, I think you have to have those two. Um, I, I don't think you can ever lose sight of both of those. Um, if you want to hold on to the past and just say, we did it this way 30 years ago, this was great. It's got so, it, it can, it must still be great. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to go anywhere. I think, I think you're going to become irrelevant, but if you just look to the new, new ideas and everything that's new, um, I think you're putting yourself at huge, huge risks. I think it's like putting a hundred percent of everything you have into equities. You know, we somehow you need to balance, <laughs> need to balance the bonds and the equities. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so I'm just curious, what's one thing that you see as a sort of, um, well, you mentioned the metaphor of a lighthouse. So, um, where is Andrews university, um, sort of blazing, um, a light on relevancy in the Adventist church? Is there, a you know, a, a program or a series of hires or, um, you know, work on, um, some sort of, um, initiative that you see as something that you're proud of that you think specifically kind of shows that the institution is, uh, moving in the right direction? Well, you know, the, the new brand statement that we're, we're going with, um, at the moment is change makers made here. Hmm. And, um, I think, uh, all of our, and I think that focus on why we're doing what we're doing is, uh, is really critical because at least I'm finding that most of today's uh, students are asking the, so what question I'm studying this. So what, what difference mm-hmm. does it make? Um, and I think if we are not uh, doing in every, it doesn't matter what we're studying or what we're doing, if we're not asking the question of, and so what, um, then I think we're, we're missing something that's important. Um, it's no point studying just for its own sake. There's, there's got to be a so what question. And so I think that um, we are trying to drive uh, forward with anything that kind of helps um, helps people move out beyond us in a way that they can actually make a difference and, and bring change. So whether that is through, I mean, we've got a, a strong focus on innovation right now, no matter what you're studying, um, you, know, you can take an innovation certificate, which kind of has that connection to, okay, so how can you take what you're learning and now be creative, be, be, bring something new um, when you are out in, in your field or your environment or leadership. Um, so many of the current uh, students will end up being self-employed. Um, you know, they want to go out there and uh, set up their own businesses do their own thing. Um, how do you do that? How do you navigate the environment? Um, and uh, it's also in the realm of how do you connect what you're doing to to make a change in your community? Um, so I would say that that edge of the so what uh, is, is kind of something that we're really trying to um, you know, drive home. So I mean, recently uh, we we had to close our dairy. The dairy had been open many many years. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, but the dairy industry has just you know gone south, um, and uh, we've had huge losses in it. So we closed the dairy, 
And so the question is, so what do you do? Does that mean you can't do this, 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 and this any longer? And I think we had some great creativity from our faculty in that area who came back and said, well, actually, no, what we need to do is this and this and this. And we're seeing the program, uh, agriculture, moving into sustainable agriculture, which is um, much more where the contemporary conversations are happening. Um, and um, got a new education center. We're setting agriculture education center um, that is actually um, receiving significant interest from, from prospective students. Um, so I think it's always in, in every different area asking asking the question of um, relevance um, um, and moving forward. I mean, our health professions area, we, we made a, we put that into a school a few years ago. Uh, now we have the College of uh, Health and Human Services, and that's where we're seeing huge, huge growth. Um, mm, yeah. So in, introduced a number of uh, different programs of that, like Masters of Public Health and so on, that are uh, trying to get, trying to connect with people, sometimes people that are already out there that are looking to increase their skills in order to kind of give more back into the community. So we're basically looking for those opportunities to um, to uh, really help people fulfill um, their own dreams. Um, so congratulations on dealing with um, uh, land issues for an Adventist institution. <laughs> Those are, <laughs> I feel like so many um, administrators in our higher ed program, um, love ideas, love to work with um, people and end up spending most of their time dealing with property. Um, uh, and so I'm just curious if you have, uh, you know, books have been written, plenty of articles have been written about um, the kind of nuts and bolts of dealing with endowments and physical plants and selling off land um, that can be really tricky um, when you have constituents, alumni, um, local community members who all have opinions on land. Um, so what was helpful for you in, in um, navigating um, those kind of issues? Well, this one, it, it actually was probably not so much land because we, we just took the land we were using for one thing and turned it into another. So it was more, um, so it was more business modeling that, that kind of came into this particular conversation. Um, and just, the, just how could we use the land we had for the greatest benefit? Um, and I think that is the, that's the kind of balance people, as you say, can get very attracted to property and land. And I'm not someone who, is a great believer that you should sell off land uh, too easily, too quickly. Um, I, but I do think land is given to us uh, for for the value it brings to the enterprise. It, it, it's it's not um, it's just sitting there static, and nothing is being used of it. It's or it has no value. Uh, then I think you have to ask yourself. So so what do we do? Um, so and, and so I I do think the um, that sense of things that we've been given uh, we're stewards of them. Okay, so how do we how are we good stewards of them? Uh, are we burying the talents in the ground, or are we multiplying the talents we've been given? Um, 
And I think I think we have a responsibility, if we can, to find ways of multiplying, not just sitting on things. Sure. Um, because Adventist education is um, kind of in a conversation, at least in the North American division, and I'm going to be speaking with some other administrators for this series, I'm just curious um, if you have kind of one central question that you uh, think that um, sort of the collective uh, mind of um, leaders in higher ed should be um, asking or thinking about? Well, I mean, the big conversation, of course, right now is um, are there too many of us doing the same thing? Um, and are we so focused on the small pool? You know, there's the blue ocean versus the red ocean. And are we too much in the red ocean of just fighting with each other for the same um, and how can we actually uh, expand into the blue ocean and um, respond, uh, kind of meet the needs of those that we are not yet uh, meeting the needs of? Uh, so rather than all of us trying to fight over one student, what about the five that aren't in any of our institutions? I think to me that is the that's a big question. Um, but the trouble is, and the, the complexity of it is, it's not just the higher education institutions that can do this business, because it is actually our boards or constituencies that actually um, uh, often struggle more with these kind of questions than, than we do. Um, I think if you put all of us around the table at the same time, we could probably um, come up with some, some answers, but um, it, it, we're, we're, it's more than just us. And what do you need from say constituents and um, say Adventist leaders at the union um, and division and general conference levels to, to help shape this? Um, I think we've really got to be willing to um, be very honest with each other about uh you know, if you, you if we ask the same question you asked as a corporate group, okay, what does the ideal look like? Um, and then kind of re-engineer from, back from that and say, okay, well, this is really what it should be. This is what we would really like. Now let's engineer back to what decisions would we need to make to get there. Um, I don't think I, I don't think there's easy answers to that. You know, some people would say, well, let's just have less um, institutions. Um, but I don't, as we've seen with academies, just because you close one does not mean everyone there is going to go somewhere else. Sure. Um, we know, for example, that the main reasons people don't come to Andrews, other than the finance, which is true of every all of our campuses, uh, one is the weather. Well, we can't do much about that. The second, <laughs> the second is I want to stay closer to home, right? And so it, it's not uh, simple enough to say, well, let's just have three institutions, say, in North America, and everyone will flood there. I don't think that's what will happen. Um, each of them might increase some, but I think you'd have an overall loss of the number of, of Adventists um, who are going into Adventist schools. Um, so what else can we do that's a little more creative than that, uh, that actually capitalizes on the strengths of all of our institutions? Um are we able to stop being um, 
scared of uh, each other um, or competitive with each other and recognize that, hey, maybe this campus is strongest at this and let's let them take the lead. Hmm. And, and, and but we're strongest in this, so, so let, let us take the lead in this. Those kind of conversations. And I, I, we're, we're trying, but I think we're barely touching the surface. Um, we talk about sharing backroom services. Um, can that be done? Maybe to some degree. I would really want to see that worked out with actual hard figures to really see that it, it actually would be um, beneficial and not just um, a good idea on paper. Definitely. Well, um, I've got one final question here, and that is um, we're talking a few days after um, the uh, annual council meetings of the executive committee, and a lot of news came out of that. Um but that includes some news that can be a little discouraging for folks um, in Europe and North America, where we had unions sort of publicly shamed for supporting uh, women in ministry. And I'm just curious if you can share what keeps you hopeful in light of um, um, news like that. You know, I think that, oh, first of all, I, I really do believe this, that I really do believe that God has overriding um, control in our church. Um, and again, using an investment image, uh, you know, I, you have to have the, the long look, not necessarily the short look. Um, and often that's where you, you see God's leading in a way um, in, the, in the long term, um, maybe when we don't always see it or, or feel it is there, maybe in the immediate um, situation, that gives me hope. Um, you know, I also think that uh, if you, there are a lot of there are a lot of people in the church that are really that are really very much wrestling for what is good, what is right, and. Um, Sometimes there is, is a lack of understanding. You know, I think it's it's challenging that we still have in some ways a structure of making decisions when we have 21 million in the church that we had when we only had a few million or even hundreds of thousands. Hmm. And um, so we may just have some real, real structural issues that at some point we need to address um, in order to move forward because I don't think there's malice um, from one part of the world to another part of the world. Uh, but I do think that maybe we, we don't really haven't had an opportunity to listen to each other enough to really comprehend uh, what is driving mission in different parts of the world and um, how we can best support each other. And I, I think if we, I think we have to move to a point where, where we, we really, really keep mission at the center and actually, you know, are able to, with an open mind, say to someone, I, I don't understand why you are doing this. Uh, help me, help me understand what is going on. Um, I'm just not sure as yet the, the, that number of conversations. And that's very hard to have when you have 21 million people. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciated um, your uh, insights into our community. My pleasure. 
Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it.